That was awesome. And uh, if, if you look at your Slack, uh, you'll notice that uh, there are tons of engagement on, on what happened in Lectio, and I heard it in this room as well, tons of people talking. And the thing is, <clears throat> we, we like to, you know, sometimes think of like, oh, well, there's academic study when it comes to the Bible and stuff like that. And indeed, there is. The Bible can be, can be uh, mined academically for so much wealth. And then the Bible can also be so transformative right on the surface, right on the space where, where God is just like, hear it and let it change your heart. Hear it, let it change your heart. And that's what God does all the time. So I want to encourage you during uh, the message today to continue participating on Slack. There's lots of good discussions that are happening. Um, I won't be able to get to all of it, but there are definitely people who will, you know, go off and have discussions, and God moves in that as well. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. Um, as, as I pray, we're going to go into uh, our next message on the book of Habakkuk, and, uh, and, and we hear today God's response. And isn't that so gracious? That even in our questioning, we hear God's response. Um, as I pray, I want to um, remind us that at this point, that every single Sunday we, we take up an offering, uh, we give, because this is how, how we honor God in our continual worship. The Bible says that, that your heart will follow where your treasure is. And the way we represent treasure in our culture is through money. Our heart will follow that. What we invest in is what we actually pay attention to. And uh, I know that because last year I invested 80 hard-earned dollars to be able to watch Formula One. I haven't missed a race. And, well, I missed them. I watched them after church. But it's like... You, you do, you follow what you put your money in. You actually, it changes your behavior. So I encourage us to give. If you're giving today, you go online um, at promisechurch.community and the green giving tab is there and, uh, and, and you're able to do that. You can set up automatic withdrawal or whatever you want to do in your heart and your honoring of God. I'm going to pray about service and about that right now. God, I thank you so much that you are gracious to us. I thank you that even though we only see just a small portion, the, the smallest portion of what you're doing, that you are so gracious and patient with us as you continue to do what you're doing. And so Jesus, today I pray that as we both give and as we hear what your Holy Spirit saying through discussions on Slack, through the words that come out of my mouth, through the, through the text of Scripture, God, I pray that you would be shaping our hearts and our desires to look after your ways, to look for your move. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so where are we? Habakkuk is living in, um, in Judah, still, you know, colloquially called uh, Israel, and they've been following God's promises to make Israel the central light of the world, that everybody's going to look to Israel, the one that God has called out, the one that miraculously holds this land, the one that God has revealed himself to, the one that knows this way of God, you know, that's what they're doing. The, the assumed road was to be the conquering empire. 
You know, because they're going to do this. They are going to conquer the lands and make them worship the true God of the world. So David's reign, King David, he, he was like, well, we're going to control the trade route in between Mesopotamia to the north, west, and Egypt to the south, east. We're going to control the trade route, and Israel gains so much prominence, so much prominence, that they're like, we're doing it. We're gaining God's favor. We're doing God's work. How many times at church do we feel like we're the people who are doing God's work, and we're just doing it right? And that's what it is, and we get like, oh, this is who we are. And, and this is kind of where Israel's been. This is who they are. So God tells Habakkuk in the previous ch chapters that the Chaldeans, so the people who are not just Mesopotamia, but down further to the east, they're going to rise up and come and destroy Assyria and destroy Judah. And God's like, I'm going to use these people. This is what I'm doing. And so they're going to come and obliterate Israel. So Israel loses its prominence, moving against the apparent promise of God. Israel's understood my place is to control the nations, to be the light of the nations, to show the right way to live. And God tells Habakkuk, yeah, the Chaldeans are going to come and destroy you. But that goes against your promise, God. I sometimes feel a challenge to the evangelical church in Canada. Where we're like, oh, we have this assumption that we are the rule bearers, the people who are like, this is what we do, this is the right way. We, we stick our, our flags in the sand and say, you must become like me, because that's the promise. Everybody's going to look to me, to us, to the church. To, they're, they're finally going to see that we had it right the whole time. And then God shocks us and says, Chaldeans are coming. They're going to destroy you. You're, 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 the, the, the juxtaposition of these two things smashing into each other. How do you even deal with that? The very foundation of what you believe is supposed to happen is the exact opposite of what God says is going to happen. What are you doing, God? Why are you taking us out? We're the light of the world. So Habakkuk has challenged God. Whew. Habakkuk has had the audacity to challenge God. God, you are doing it wrong. You're letting this happen. You're, you're wrong. Well, you know, almighty powerful God's just going to squash that. You can't, you can't question God. Oh, he's just going to crush it. He's going to be like, nope, you can't question. Shut up. Do what I say. Some of us, that's our view of God. You can't question God. You can't do anything. God is God, and you just need to shut up and accept whatever he says. Well, Habakkuk, in that case, takes a massive risk when he challenges God. 
But God shows his character in a different way. God surprises the most astute religious person. And he answers Habakkuk. He takes into account Habakkuk's complaint and shows Habakkuk his own ignorance. Wow. So Habakkuk 2, 2 to 5, and I see a good comment on Slack that I'm going to get to right after I read this. Habakkuk 2, 2 to 5. And the Lord answered me. Oh. The Lord answered me. Thank God for his grace. It shows his character right there. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision, that promise that God has of the prominence of God's people, the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end and the vision will not lie. If that promise, if the vision, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor and an arrogant man who is never at rest. He, his greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he never has enough. He gathers himself, all nations, and collects his own people. So, in Slack, what is challenging about waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled? What's challenging? What is hard about waiting for God's promises to be filled? A couple notes about Habakkuk that people have made here. Habakkuk wanted answers, but it wasn't just oppositional. He saw a dying world, and it broke his heart. So the motivation of what's going on is he's seen the promise of God. He's seen the potential of what God could do. He's seen all of this goodness, this, this vision of God and his people, and it's dying around him. And it seems counterproductive, and it breaks his heart. God honors that. See, the people do have a promise, but they did go against God's word, and they were participating in evil. Absolutely true that they were participating in evil. <laughs> As do we, in our life, participate with evil and give ourselves a bye our true desires sometimes come out, well, I just want that for myself. I don't really, I, I, I don't really want, to, want to give sacrificially of my time. What is so challenging about waiting for God's promises to be filled? See, in all of Habakkuk's complaints, God never changes his course. In all of his questions, it didn't change God's direction. Habakkuk pushes hard, and he says, this isn't okay. You've got to stop what you're doing, God. And God says, okay, you see the promise, you see that vision. Though it awaits, though it takes time, 
though it's slow, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to be there. Wow, some of the things that people are saying um, is, uh, is, is keeping faith that God knows the beginning and the end. He uses people to bring about the wh- whatever he, his way chooses. That's so challenging, that just keeping the faith. Knowing what to do while waiting. This is such a good point. You know, it's challenging, but waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled because you got to know what to do while waiting. Brilliant thinking. How do I live? What do I do? For Promise Church, we simply say we see the promise of God, and what we're going to do is we're going to foreshadow it in as many iterations as we possibly can. We're going to find little ways that, that it can show to the world and say, this is the promise that God has for us. This is what it looks like, and we hold it there lightly for a moment and say, there, there, there. Oh, well, crap. I mean, we did that wrong. But whatever, there it was. It was close. It was there for a second, wasn't it? And then we move over here and we foreshadow it. So finding that purpose, how do we show it? You know... It is insulting. Someone said that Habakkuk didn't like that God was going to use evil people to correct their own sin. It's true. It's insulting. But see, God didn't change. He's still going to bring judgment on Israel. He's still going to use the Chaldeans to to destroy them. But God does something really awesome here. And he's going to do it for you too. When you question God, when you have your hard times, when the darkness comes and your heart is breaking, God, don't miss this, God will anchor you in his mission to bring you through your questions. Don't miss that. You are going to have questions. It is going to happen. You can, you can beat and rail against God. You can cry. You can say to God, this isn't fair. This is not okay. I don't want to accept this. But God will anchor you to his mission to bring you through your questions. God will remind you of what he's going to do. And he will say, I am the faithful God. I am the one who will not fail. Though the mountains roll, and the, or though the seas roll, and the mountains fall into the sea, and, and chaos happens all around, God anchors us in his faithfulness. I will not Let's you go. I will not let you go. We come with the assumption about God that says the straight line path, the most direct path, is of course the path that God's going to take. The most efficient way is the way that God's going to get his promises fulfilled. You just do step one, step two, step three, bam, promise fulfilled, God. And when God goes, no, 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 let me, let me just, we question him. We reduce God to our thinking. We hold him inside our assumptions. And God 
confronts us and says, this is my mission. Though it wait, though it tarry, wait for it. It's going to happen. God is faithful. God will anchor you to his mission to bring you through your questions. Someone says the direct route or the route we think that should be taken is not always God's route to how we're going to get there. It's really hard to understand and accept. How many times have my prayers been, God, if you just do this, this, and this, your will will be done. Man, I can solve all God's problems real fast. I could just do it. Right, God? If you just listen to me, God... I haven't figured out, but, but God says, no, my ways are better than your ways. They're higher than your ways. Someone just wrote that. God's ways are not our ways. How can we as finite understand the infinite omnipotence of God? See, God's view is longer than ours. His perspective is larger than ours. His understanding of, of, of the entire mission for humanity is more complete than ours. And we sometimes elevate ourselves to say, oh, because we have everything. We can, we can determine God's future course of action. And God says, wait for me to act. Watch it in real time. And when I see God act in real time, wow, like the woman with the issue of blood, praise, rejoicing, excitement builds. And I say, yes, I am thrilled that God is acting. I was in Florida a bit ago, and I was waiting for my wife and children to come from the beach. I was at the car in the parking lot, and I, I have, I'd gone ahead of them. They, you know, they challenged me to put the beach stuff back in the car, so I'm like lumbering my beach stuff back. All these cool people in America have these sand carts that all their stuff piles perfectly into. They pile this high, and they're just like, and I'm like... This mule person walking back to the car, get it all back to the car, throw it into the car, close the door. And, and I turn around to the entrance of the parking lot. It's all surrounded by palm trees and this beautiful weather. And I'm in this parking lot. And, you know, it's, it's awesome. And then, and then this worry comes over me. It happens a lot to me. You know, I've, I've, ever since I was a kid, I, as soon as somebody's out of my perception, something terrible has happened to them. So my wife and my children, are, I left them at the bathrooms, and in my mind, my, my overactive imagination is just going nuts about how bad things have happened. Somebody has taken my children, or some terrible thing has happened, or, you know, whatever. I'm on vacation, palm trees all around, freaking out. And I'm just like... See, I could see the parking lot. I could see the birds, the palm trees, and the sky. I could see the exit of the path that my children were supposed to be walking down. Every, any single moment they were going to be walking down to relieve my anxiety. But I could not see, hear, perceive the change rooms where they were. And I had no way to tell if everything was okay. My perception was limited. And as a human, my perception is always limited. 
Sorry, Valerie. He clearly has no faith in the ability of his wife to take care of his children on a single path in a park. Jesus loves me? <laughs> it's a good story, but it's real. I always fight down these anxiety thoughts and push them aside and stop, but, but to maintain sanity, I had to force myself to assume that my wife is competent and careful and that all things were perfectly fine while I was away from him. It's in my notes. That sentence, read it. It's in my notes, acknowledging my wife. Thank you. I can only rationally assume that they're just fine. And I can't tell if my assumption is wrong until real information has come to me. And I have to deal with a new reality. In fact, I've discovered that the worry is actually worse than, the, than, than when something bad does happen. The experience of worry actually is more challenging to deal with than the actual experience of, of the bad thing itself. This is a little bit offside, but it's actually not because in this life, we don't know everything that God is doing until we see the evidence of it and ask questions about it. We don't see everything that God is doing until we start asking God, what are you doing? How are you working in this? And observing the work of God in our real life. Our perception is much smaller than God's is. God's view is longer than ours is. So God will anchor you in his longer mission to bring you through your questions. That's what he does. That's how he develops us. Someone actually just made a really good point. Wait for me to act you know, kind of as the, as the idea. Uh, and then they said, unless you're the woman reaching out to Jesus' robes, sometimes God is ready for us to act. <laughs> Such a good point. Such a good point. And, and there are times in our life where, where God's calling us into mission and we're partnering with God and, we're, and that's the place where it's like act. And there are times in our life where God is calling us to trust him and the act of trust is a massive risk and God's calling us to act. And there are times in our life like Habakkuk is in a place where he's questioning and God's saying, Wait, I have a bigger plan than you ever imagined. Absolutely. So what's the challenge about waiting? We've heard some of it. And what are we going to do with it? The rest of Habakkuk 2 6 to 20 is, is a bunch of woes. God continues to answer Habakkuk's question. And I'm going to fly through it really, really quickly. It's, it's a whole bunch of verses here. Um, you know, which, which warning or woe stands out to you the most? There are five of them. It kind of comes in a, in a pattern. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to quickly overview it. And then we're going we're gonna to ask a hitting home question. Okay, so, so right now, just listen for which warning or woe might stand out to you, if there's any that stand out to you at all. But this is the reason that, that God's doing this. is it's, it's assuring Habakkuk of his longer mission. So here it says, Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him, and the him is, is 
the Chaldeans. Woe to him who heaps up what's not his own. For how long? And he loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise? And those who awake will make you tremble? And then you will be spoiled for them because you've plundered many nations. And on the remnant of all the people, they shall plunder you for the blood of man and violence to the earth, to the cities and all who dwell in them. Well, number two. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, who sets his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. You've devised shame for your house. By cutting off many peoples, you've forfeited your life. The stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork will respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, it's not the, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and the nations weary themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover over the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbor drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself. Show your own uncircumcision. The cup of the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts of the, of, that terrified them, for the blood of man and the violence of the earth, the cities and all who dwell in them. We're coming into the precursor now of woe number five. What prophet is an idol when his maker shaped it? A metal image, teacher of lies, for its maker trusts its own creation when he makes a speechless idol. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake, and to a silent stone, Arise. Can this teach? Behold, it's overladen with gold and silver, and there's no breath in it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So which warning stands out to you most? There are five pronouncements of judgment. Those who heap up for what's not their own. Those who get evil gain for their house to be safe from the reach of harm. Those who build a town with blood and iniquity. Those who make their neighbors drunk for entertainment's sake. And those who say to a wooden thing, awake, or who worships idols. You know, the pronouncement of God's sovereignty is what they say over, over the Chaldeans. That's the anchor that God is giving Habakkuk through his questions. He's saying, I'm sovereign. I'm going to get this done. It's going to be okay. So how does God's answer help bring Habakkuk, help Habakkuk through his questions? Notice what God didn't do. God didn't bend to Habakkuk's complaint. God didn't bristle at the questions Habakkuk posed to him. Habakkuk didn't lack faith because he had questions. It wasn't a show of lack of faith. It was actually a great show of faith that he went to God and said, God, what are you doing? It, it seems to me, from my perception, you're abandoning your promises. How many times has that happened in your life where it seems to me, from your perception, that God's abandoning his promises? And God's response is to show Habakkuk his mission to bring him through his questions. God didn't try to justify himself. God showed Habakkuk a longer story. 
He didn't even get to all of it. He didn't even show how Jesus was going to be the true Israel. He didn't show Habakkuk that. He didn't show how it was going to be God incarnate that was going to come, that was going to save the world and be the light for all. He just gave Habakkuk enough to see it. Someone said, I'd like to pray for God to change my perspective. I think that's a good prayer. Let's pray. God, enlarge in our perspective. When the trials come, the war may break out against me. In this I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, and that would I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. God, increase our understanding of you. Challenge our assumptions. Bring us to a point where we have to challenge our assumptions and throw us into a bigger vision of your mission to help us understand. God, this whole thing is about you. And so change our perspectives from our short-sighted view like mine in the parking lot where, of course, my wife is competent to deal with my children, but, God, of course you are competent to be faithful, yet how often do we ludicrously worry and try to correct you? Change our perspective. Bring us to humility through our questions as you answer with your mission. Today, will you put your faith in a God whose view is so much longer than yours is? Will you commit to joining a mission of God that will expand past your life? And will you pursue this God who's faithful beyond our faithfulness? Hebrews 1.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. God bless us this week. Grow our perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being a part of Promise Church. We pray that you are blessed, and we look forward to seeing you next week and throughout the week on Slack and in person. God bless you.